Welcome to the Clickdown. I'm Dan Feller. And I'm Anna Ruiz. And today we're talking about ransomware. And if you aren't aware, ransomware is, is a form of malware that's going to encrypt your files. And basically, it's going to make them unusable. And the only way you're going to be able to get access to your files back is to pay a ransom to whoever attacked you, which is why it's called ransomware. So let's just dive right into this week's tech updates. This week, we have a very exciting update. Service continuity became generally available last month. And for those of you that don't know, service continuity allows users to continue to have connectivity to their critical apps and desktops, even in the event of a cloud disruption. If you want to learn more about service continuity, we actually did an episode of the Clickdown specifically about service continuity, where we talked to Fernando Corflan, the product manager responsible for service continuity. So make sure to listen to learn more. The uh, next one is actually something I wish I could use in my home environment. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times, you know, my you know, we have a lot of different PCs in, in the house, and the kids always want to install, you know, new new things for Minecraft and you know different mods and all that, and it requires an admin to to allow them to install it. Well, it's kind of a pain, you know, to log in each time. You know, one of my users needs to install something. So with workspace environment management, there's a, a new feature called process elevation. And it allows the admin to grant users elevated permissions for certain executables. You know, so it might be an MSI file or install XE um, that's safe. Uh, so the admin can give these users the ability to install the applications with an elevated account. So they'll have admin rights per se to install that particular application but not actually be given admin rights so kind of a cool little feature and my final tech update is about a virtual event that we are hosting at the end of this month so this is our third official tech zone live uh, and during tech zone live we basically invite different experts to talk about different topics so for this quarter we are inviting six different guests to talk about adapting to a hybrid work environment by moving to the cloud, and also to talk about how to protect your company from ransomware attacks. So it would be a perfect segue if you wanna learn more um, after today's episode, make sure to register and join us at the end of the month. Yeah, so we got slides, we got demos, whereas on the podcast, you just have to listen to our pretty and wonderful voices for entertainment. Um, exactly. <laughs> so. You know, like we, we talked about earlier, this podcast is all about ransomware. And Anna, before we get into it, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, since you have kids, I'm assuming you have lots of digital photos that you've taken of them over the years. A lot. Any, any idea about how much hard drive space that's taking? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so prepping for this, I was looking and, and you know, because however many years you know we've had digital cameras actually i think we got our first digital camera in 2000 um, just in time for for my honeymoon and since then i have 250 gig of photos you know of well i'd say 200 gig of those are just myself and then 50 gig is probably the rest <laughs> of my family um but the question is 
how upset would you be or how much are those photos worth? You know, let's say they got deleted or they got encrypted. How much money would you pay to get access to those images back? Dan, do you want me to not sleep at night? Like <laughs> that is <laughs> what is the closest thing to dying? <clears throat> I would die. Well, not literally, but it would be really bad. <laughs> it, it was always it was always the the you know, the question, you know, before we had digital cameras, you know, it's like, if your house is on fire, what's the one thing you would take? And a lot of people would say, I'll go grab my photo albums. Um, but it's a little different now with ransomware because you, you just don't know. And people get attacked by, you know, there's all these ransomware attacks. And the ones you always hear about are the big ones, like the Colonial Pipeline that happened in May, you know, of, of, of this year, 2021. And there was such a pan panic that, there were gas shortages on the east coast of the U.S. Um, just because of this one ransomware attack. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, in in 2020 alone, the the total amount paid by ransomware victims increased 300 percent. That blew my mind when I read the that statistic, and it made it the cryptocurrency-based crime with the highest growth rate in 2020. Um, just in 2020 alone, I was reading that nearly $350 million worth of cryptocurrency were paid. And that's the low, the low end, right? Because there's a lot that probably weren't even taken into account or weren't officially reported. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I would think it'd be a, a lot higher. And I have a feeling there's a lot of people who aren't reporting it. But it's gotten to the point where the US Department of Justice, you know, has created this task force specifically on ransomware attacks, you know, to to look at them, trying to identify where they're coming from, how to protect people. And I mean, even watching like, you know, the old nightly news, you know, on, on, on TV, I, I had it on the other night and, and one of their lead stories was ransomware attacks. And they're talking about schools and, you know, how schools are being attacked. And I'm thinking, wow, you guys are really targeting the wrong people because schools don't have a lot of money. You know, it's not like you're going to get a lot of money from <laughs> doing a ransomware attack on a school. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone is getting attacked, right? No matter the industry. And now it's getting to a point where, like you said, it's it's affecting the actual public, not just the company itself. Uh, so today we have invited J.R. Goldman. He is a lead sales engineer here at Citrix. And we've invited him to talk about ransomware and how Citrix can help. So J.R., welcome to the Clickdown. Hey, thanks for having me. Interesting conversation so far. Uh, so, JR, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? Um, what do you do at Citrix? Jeez, uh, what do I do at Citrix? Um, that's a fun question. You know, what I'll tell you is I, I just passed my eight-year mark, uh, and I, I think everybody at Citrix tends to do a lot, um, especially for me being in, in sales engineering. We touch product side. We touch customer side. We, we touch marketing side. We obviously touch sales side. Um, I've kind of been fortunate in my career to move around uh, with Citrix in different territories, covering everything from high-touch enterprise accounts to public sector DOD-type accounts, uh, now in the commercial space in Florida. Um, but, you know, kind of my side job at Citrix really has been trying to become more of a subject matter expert on cybersecurity, uh, working with our Worldwide Security Steering Committee, as well as a couple other security task forces that I'm a part of to really help my customers and and our customers understand some of these types of attacks like ransomware that we're seeing and really how to prepare and prevent. 
Have have with with some of the organizations you've been dealing with, how concerned are they with ransomware? I mean, are you seeing a huge you know in- increase in discussions you're having with them? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Some part of it is proactive, and some part of it is reactive. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be an ambulance chaser by any means, but there are certain times where you know uh, some of these types of attacks are are newsworthy and they do make the news. And uh, you know, so sometimes it's 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 a reactive sense of hey this just happened we just had this breach we just had this attack a lot of the customers you know are dealing with it kind of differently but i would say it's top of mind for everybody especially with work from home being kind of this new transitional phase as well as moving uh, a traditional on-prem data center or perimeter to more of a cloud model because while that's great in its efficiencies it does in some cases create blind spots uh, for an organization's security posture yeah, definitely. I think that's that's probably also one of the reasons why there was such growth in, in 2020, because everyone was forced to work remotely, and that made the, the perimeter that IT needs to secure significantly larger than when you were in a traditional office connecting to a network. Um, so I, I, I definitely agree that, that it's been top of mind. So, JR, I know Dan mentioned a little bit of what ransomware is, but can you get into in your experience, like what are some of the ways that ransomware is spread? So the challenge becomes um, we want to connect users to be productive to some system, but by doing so, we create weaknesses and um, potential areas for exploitation. And so as we become more connected as an organization, uh, as customers become more connected as organizations, you know, so does their network, so does their topology. And so do all the devices and beacons that really call to one another. So, you know, you think of all all of the things that touch IT in an IT organization, all the different departments, all the different devices, all the different users. And then, of course, the way that the networks are interconnected ultimately to the Internet. That's certainly one of the big ways is just once ransomware is in an organization, it can spread like wildfire uh, if the network is not segmented and air gapped properly. Another way that I'm seeing ransomware spread, unfortunately, is just on the rise of social engineering attacks, such as phishing, uh, spear phishing, um, watering hole type of attacks where, you know, they're targeting weaknesses in, in behavior, right? Hey, get this user to click on something or download something or open this email or open this attachment, uh, sometimes on purpose, sometimes inadvertently. And so, you know, once users do that, uh, unfortunately, just because of the interconnected nature of everything, it, it's very possible for ransomware to become a much larger issue uh, if it's not isolated. So why, uh, you, you mentioned earlier that there's there's a increase in interest in ransomware attacks or preventing ransomware attacks because of the whole work from home. Why, why is work from home and, you know, making it riskier? So it's not just work from home, right? I mean, it, in, a, in a sense, we're all spending more time in front of our screens probably than ever before. Um, so, you know, just having that in, increased attack surface is something that is very keen for cyber criminals. But there's other, other aspects of it, uh, certainly, right? You mentioned cryptocurrency. I mean, it, it, most people weren't really talking about Bitcoin um, three, four, five, six years ago, uh, by and large, right? Mass media kind of thing. Now that there's a, let's say, more discreet way of paying these ransoms, which is another problem is people do pay the ransoms, so they're funding the industry. Um, that has also led to the rise of it. And then, you know, Dan, you mentioned an interesting point about education, too, being 
why would you target a school if they don't have a whole lot of money? And one of the other interesting trends that's caused this increase in ransomware has been, especially with COVID, customers purchasing cyber insurance, right? So if I have downtime or I have an outage or I have a disruptive event, you know, the same way I would use insurance for my home or, you know, for my vehicle or whatever, I can use cyber insurance to basically recoup my damages. <laughs> and so in the case of uh, academia, a lot of schools have to maintain cyber insurance. They get breached and the insurance companies pay the ransom. So, JR, can, can you talk a little bit about um, wh what are some of the impacts? Obviously, there's monetary impacts, like you mentioned, where people are paying that ransom to get their files back. And a lot of times, right, they pay it and they might not even get them back, right? Like there's no guarantee. Um, but what other impacts uh, does it have on a business to, to get a ransomware attack? Yeah, definitely. So I, I try to think of it in, in terms of what's called the CIA triad, which is really all around data protection. And the CIA triad is three pieces. It's confidentiality of the data, meaning the people who should have access do and no one else. Integrity of the data, meaning I'm working with a consistent data set and that it hasn't been altered or manipulated. And then the big one that really ransomware tries to target is availability of the data, which is, you know, in a sense, a denial of service preventing the business from operating or preventing the business from operating at its capacity. So, you know, you look at that pipeline, um, colonial pipeline ransomware attack, right? You know, it didn't, it didn't hit the OT, the operational technology, it hit the IT, but it disrupted the business in such a way that it caused this massive outage and downtime to the business. So, you know, unfortunately, ransomware, it does target the A in, in the CIA triad, the availability, because it's not just encrypting data. Sometimes it's locking systems entirely, right? I can't log into my computer or I can't do certain functions within that computer until that ransom is met. And Dan, like you said, you're not always guaranteed to get access once you pay the ransom. But it could also be now that I've gotten access, can I even trust that the data I'm working with hasn't been altered or manipulated? How do I know that there still isn't uh, a presence of this attack in my systems? And then confidentiality, especially in industries like healthcare or highly regulated industries, is what happens if someone maybe doesn't necessarily encrypt data, but they exfiltrate data and they threaten to expose that data publicly, right? You know, trade secrets, personal data, GDPR compliance, you know, especially for overseas customers where the fines alone are substantial enough that it warrants sometimes paying the ransom which you shouldn't do. Don't pay the ransom. You're just fueling the industry. Um, that's, that's my takeaway. So how, how do you get infected or I don't know if that's the term for, you know, how, 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 how does it hit an environment? Yeah. You know, one of the areas that seems to be as of late, the, the biggest attack vector would be things like weak passwords, uh, lack of multi-factor authentication, um, sometimes it can be uh, escalated privileges beyond uh, a, a traditional scope. So maybe a user that's been with the company, you know, in my case, I've been with Citrix for eight years. In that time, I've gotten access to systems and more and more and more and more as I've, you know, grown my career here. And that, that's the case with many users. In reality, some of that access should be revoked, right? So, you know, it could be as simple as a compromised username or password, it could be uh, some of the social engineering type attacks, like sending a malicious email um, or a phishing email uh, or other ways as well. I mean, it could also be physical, right? You know, there's, there's physical, technical, 
administrative and logical controls that an organization has to think about to really have a defense in depth approach, you know, it, it could be as easy as someone just bringing in a USB and plugging it into a, a server in a data center if, if that data center isn't, you know, locked down appropriately with the right physical controls. So it's not always uh, from a technology perspective, the challenge, it's, it's really operationally. And from, from like the phishing email perspective, I mean, the user has to do something because I, you know, while we're doing this podcast, I actually just got an email in my personal email that uh, uh, PayPal wants me to go in and change my password, <laughs> which I can tell it's not from PayPal because the URL or the uh, email address is completely messed up. But it's from a phishing perspective. I mean, the user has to do something, right? They have to download something and install it. Yeah, in some cases, certainly it can be a user action, but it could also be driven by uh, vulnerabilities or exploits within software itself, right? You know, and there's lots of even things like bots on the web that can exploit um, weaknesses in applications. So in a lot of ways, it can definitely be user-driven. And, you know, what I would say to that is is train your people, right? You know, by and large, users are, users are dumb sometimes. Uh, they click on things, they download things, they hold doors open for people who are carrying a cup of coffee and maybe don't badge into the building, right? Um, that's, that's just the, the nature of people is, is sometimes that happens. I also see that very common where the user is the biggest weakness in industries with high turnover, where, you know, all the employee training in the world doesn't matter if I'm changing employees every three months and they haven't had time to take that phishing attack training, uh, or that ransomware training. And so you see that too. So JR, you mentioned a couple of times that in your perspective, you know, you shouldn't pay the ransom because you're just feeling that. And then you also just mentioned, you know, that people can have training. But I think no amount of training in the world, and you'll probably agree with this, will prevent <laughs> malicious attackers from still at least attempting to attack and a lot of times even succeeding. Uh, so what can companies do? Like what can, you know, what can be done? That is a great question. Uh, and you know, what I'll tell you is training is definitely important, but it is by far not the only layer of defense that you should have. Um, you know, when we, when we talk security postures, unfortunately there's no such thing as perfect security, right? It's, it's all about layers and layers and layers, air gaps and isolation and, um, you know, alerting and knowing when things go wrong knowing how to respond, knowing how to recover. You know, these are all important things that, that really tie into an, a complete story. Some things that customers can do, you know, and I say don't pay the ransom. You may get different advice from your security advisor. <laughs> you may get different advice from the FBI or from uh, NIST or, or from other organizations as well. But obviously by paying the ransom makes it more lucrative to continue to do so. And in some senses for customers who haven't prepared for these types of disasters, because essentially that's what it is, is it's a disaster event they may not have a choice, right? You know, it's either that or the business goes belly up. You know, if we haven't, if we have a ransomware attack and we have to kind of break glass in case of emergency, but we don't have the means to rebuild or what we have to rebuild is also corrupted, then that becomes a bigger issue. So lots of different layers make up a more complete story. I, I definitely think there is an, an approach of focusing on end users and empowering users to help mitigate some of that. But, you know, it can be everything from advanced authentication means or conditional access, building towards zero trust frameworks, uh, air gaps and isolations, uh, network segmentation techniques and, uh, and whatnot. So there's really a lot that goes into analytics, right? Being a big, a big theme. How do we identify 
in the first place if this is actually happening. And then of course, recovering. Um, how can I be operationally efficient? If, if poo-poo hits the fan, can I rebuild immediately and quickly? And with data that I can verify and trust the integrity of and, and authenticity of. So go, going beyond just user training, like what type of what type of solutions can you put into place to try to help prevent you from being uh, you know a victim of ransomware attacks? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, obviously there's there's all sorts of uh, AV antivirus that you can install. Um, you can also do IDS, IPS, intrusion protection, uh, firewalling, and next gen firewalling. Um, SIMS, uh, you know, uh, various CASB type solutions. You know, all of that exists in the industry today. I think, you know, from a Citrix perspective, we really have kind of a unique story in how we fit into that uh, environment. Because while a layered approach is what most CISOs are going after, a layered approach to security, having the right layers matter and being able to have integration and visibility and no air gaps is really important. Not air gaps, no blind spots, rather, is really important in that story. Um, I think Citrix is really good at making customers operationally efficient to, you know, everyone says, oh, Citrix is secure by design. And, and to be honest, most folks on the security industry will kind of poke through that, uh, you, you know, that terminology because nothing is really secure by design. But if you think about it, there is a sense of implied security with, you know, if you look at virtualization, for instance, keeping data off of the endpoints. Uh, or maybe having, um, you know, separate networks and segmentation in our environment that are completely isolated. Um, in the event uh, of a ransomware attack, that might help prevent lateral movement where the ransomware might be contained rather than spread. Because there's so much to say about ransomware, we're actually going to have a part two to this episode where JR will do a deep dive into how Citrix can help prevent ransomware attacks. So make sure that you tune in in two weeks to hear part two. But before we let JR go, we're going to do a quick speed round. My first question <laughs> is, what is the one thing that you would actually pay ransom for, since you're so against paying ransom? It would be the things that you can't replace. Um, family, uh, friends, my puppy, <laughs> those, those are the irreplaceables. Everything else is monetary and can be replaced. See, my, my question's not going to be as fascinating as that or as, as deep. Um, favorite travel spot? Switzerland. Uh, I went, to, went on a, a business trip when I was super young, in, and, uh, and I just loved that country. It was amazing. That's great. I want to go there. Make sure that you tune in in two weeks to listen to part two of this ransomware episode. We'll see you next time here on The Clickdown. Mm -hmm.